Now, that's something that I, I think is surprising for most people in law enforcement. That's something we generally don't do is involve our families with our work and with, with the community. But just so that my perspective was so people could see us, how we're just as human as anyone else. We have families. We have little kids. We have to correct sometimes in public outings. And it was just a great time. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years' experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the interrogation room. My name is Dale. I'm the host of the Black and Blue Podcast. Thank you for joining me here today. I really appreciate you for joining me. Um, today's a real special guest. We've got uh, guests from all over the country that have been willing to come on. Today's guest is from Kansas City, Missouri. He made sure I, <laughs> I made that distinction. Everyone, please help me w- welcome in Dan Haley. Afternoon, sir. How are you doing, Dale? I'm excellent. Good to see you. Great to see you. Thank you very much for having me on your program. I'm, I'm very honored to be on your program. Well, thank you, sir. So like I mentioned here in the opening, you are in Kansas City, Missouri, the Kansas uh, City side of Missouri. Uh, you, what is your uh, position over there with that police department? I'm a major with the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department. My division is the Research and Development Division. And what I do there is I direct policies and procedures uh, at the direction of the chief when he asks us to look at various policies or procedures to enact or to make amendments to. So I make sure that gets taken care of with my division. We'll research best practices from across the country and put a policy together. Excellent. Excellent. And how long have you been with the police department there? A little over 25 years, been living the dream just since I first started. I just absolutely love it. All right. And you came up through the ranks, obviously, for 25 years. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been a major? I be- approximately four years. Okay. Okay. Been close four years. And, yeah, all right. And you've been doing the same uh, duties, the same uh, position uh, as a major? No. Luckily, I've bounced around. In the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department, they try to move you around often so you can have that developmental experience just to build leadership, become a future leader of the organization or somewhere else. Nice, nice. How large is your department? We have 1,300 officers, a little over 1,300 officers, approximately 500 civilian employees. Okay, okay. We're and at about 18, 1,900. 18, 1,900. And how large is the city itself? It's a little over 450,000 residents in Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, all right. And we talked about that's the side that has the uh, the the Royals and the Chiefs. So are you a Chiefs or Royal supporter? In Kansas City, you have to be. <laughs> you got to be. Yeah. <laughs> we love the Chiefs and things that Mahomes is doing out here. Uh, we got a championship, as you saw, the yes. Super Bowl. That was incredible, that run that the Chiefs had. 
So everyone is definitely behind the Chiefs, and we're behind our roles as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was against my team. I'm a I'm a Niner fan. So <laughs> <laughs> they had a heck of a team. Heck yeah. of a team. Yep. So hopefully, uh, you know, God willing, we'll both meet up there again uh, this next Super Bowl coming up. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, what about the demographics of, uh, well, first we'll get into uh, your city. Uh, what are the demographics as far as uh, population there? I believe we're around 30% African-American. We're predominantly uh, Caucasian. We have a growing Latino population, not for sure what the specific number of Latinos are in Kansas City, but there's a, a substantial Latino population as well and a smaller Asian population. Nice. And, and what about the department itself? The department, we're predominantly Caucasian department. We have about 9% was the last estimate I heard uh, of African-Americans as officers in the ranks of officers. We have approximately, I believe, around 5% or so Latino. Nice. Very small Asian population for officers. Mm-hmm. And in the command staff, uh, I would assume you're one of them. Uh, what about uh, minorities in the command staff? In the command staff, we have uh, five deputy chiefs. One is an African-American of approximately 22, 23 majors. There are two African-American majors. And I believe we have uh, currently four African-American captains. Hopefully I'm not leaving anybody out. <laughs> Hopefully. They'll, they'll be sure to let you know if you did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, your department, uh, you know, it's like I'm sure like all of ours have seen a a few things, a few challenges lately. How have you guys been holding up with the COVID-19? COVID-19, I think we're doing better than some departments. I think the big worry initially were officers responding to various calls that when we first heard of COVID, we were wondering whether it was just going to devastate officers in patrol. For us, Fortunately, we haven't been devastated. We've had some people test positive for COVID, but we haven't been devastated like some large departments. Yeah, no casualties, correct? Correct. Thank God. Yeah, the blessings great. coming. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that's hitting our nation is the uh, you know the uh, BLM protests and all of that for uh, George Floyd. How's that hit your city and your department? Nationally, I, I believe we all experience pretty much same um, protests in terms of protests lasting over a week or going up to two weeks. I think on the national front in any large city, it's pretty much been about the same in, in Kansas city. We've adjusted to the protests and I think our, our response has been really, really solid and we allow people to express, express their voices. And we just want to make sure that no one's out there, looting or burning or harming others during protests. Cause we encourage people to come out, let your voice be heard. That is your, your constitutional right. And we're we're hundred percent in favor of protesters and we're hundred percent against looting robberies and criminals that sometimes yeah. uh, interact in, in, in protest situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's like out here, most of, in my city, you know, we've been mostly uh, having a peaceful protest. Um, you know, some, some surrounding cities have had a little bit more to deal with and we've, done some joint uh, allied operations with them to help out. But for the most part, it's been pretty peaceful out here. I think our initial days of the protests, they were a little bit difficult, but they leveled out and became peaceful. 
definitely, definitely. For the most part. For the most part, yeah, definitely. So during your your tenure there at the at the police department, what sort of assignments have you had? Uh, you know, coming up through the ranks. I've been in diversity. I've been the diversity commander. I've been in employment, budget, and the division station commander. Also been assistant division commander. But my most fun assignment was as a division station commander for South Patrol Division. Okay, and and what does that entail? As a major for the South Patrol Station, I directed three captains and a staff of sergeants along with the officers. What made it such a fun assignment was the connection that we were able to make at South Patrol with the community. We did some things I think are are cutting edge. We uh, had movie nights during the summer where, just to understand this patrol station is like a police campus. We have a patrol station behind the building. It's called the Annex Building. We have a a basketball court workout area. We also have some offices there as well, but it's a large area. And on the side of uh, our station, there's a large area where you can show, show outdoor movies. This had never been done. And so we started showing these outdoor movies, but what made it special for me, and I think for the community, we tied our movies. They all had a theme. So when we showed, uh, when we showed Annie with Jamie Foxx, the theme was uh, adoption and foster care. Okay. We showed a movie called Wonder, and it highlighted bullying. But what made our movie night special, this is probably, this is going to probably sound crazy to you because this is something I would never believe. But in addition to showing the movie at the police station and bringing in families from the police, from, from, the, from the surrounding community, officers brought their families in as well to enjoy with the community. Now, that's something that I, I think is surprising for most people in law enforcement. That's something we generally don't do is involve our families with our work and with, with the community. But just so that my perspective was so people could see us, how we're just as human as anyone else. We have families, mm-hmm. we have little kids. We have to correct sometimes in public <laughs> outings. And it was just a great time. And even with the, the kids of the officers, they started participating where they were handing out the hot dogs and, and the pop. And it just became a, a great time and a really a true community event. And the way I look at it is you, you have friends and you may meet your friends out, right? You'll meet them out for dinner or for whatever. But the higher level of friendship is when you invite them to your house and we get together and we're just making jokes in your house. That's something in law enforcement we generally don't do. You really have to have that, that close bond. And to bring people into our police station and do that, I, I was really impressed with uh, all the members at South Patrol Division. That's, that's amazing. What was the turnout on that? Pretty, pretty large turnout. It, it was. I'm thinking um, for one of the movies we had called Coco, and it's about family bonds. We had almost a little over 450 people. And everything at these movies, we, we determined had to be free. We wanted hot dogs to free, the water, all the inter- everything to be free. Because yeah. sometimes you have kids that can't afford items when you go out to different events. And being one of those kids growing up, I knew how important it was to make everything free. And I think that really made for a good bonding experience with the community. Yeah. So uh, you talked about growing up. Are you from the uh, Kansas City area? Yes, I am. I uh, grew up in Kansas City in the urban core off of a 47 the Cleveland Old area, Vineyard Gardens neighborhood. I currently sit on the board of a school very close to my, uh, to my old neighborhood, Genesis Charter School. I'm the board president. Nice, nice. And when you, when you were talking about earlier about the, uh, the community event for the, for the movies and you said, something that was 
uh, pretty interesting to me. You said pop. That's something. Yeah, you know, I'm originally from Ohio, and we said yes. pop when I, you know. But since I moved out to California years ago, they don't say pop much out here. They say soda. <laughs> yeah, that brought back memories there. Yeah, pop. Yes. <laughs> Uh, are you married now and have kids? I, I'm married. Uh, yesterday was my 22nd anniversary. All right, congratulations. We have one child that's 13 years old and just enjoying the wife and family. Nice, nice. Uh, how does uh, the, the child feel about dad being a, a police officer? Recently, she was a little bit nervous seeing the protests and wondering, what are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be? Be safe. She was a little bit worried. This definitely concerned her. Uh, she has an understanding that you know, people are making their voices heard and they have a right to make their voices heard. She just wants daddy to be safe as possible. Exactly. As we all do. Yeah. So uh, what, what interests you in the first place to get into law enforcement? I was originally in college and I was interested in joining the FBI. I thought I would uh, get a major in financial management and work in economic crimes, stockbroker fraud, financial crimes, something to that effect. So I thought I would come to the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department, do three years and go to the FBI. What happened was I did my first ride along and I fell in love with it. I absolutely found this to be the most entertaining, most fulfilling, a job where I could really make a difference with with the community. And ever since then, I've been all about living the dream with the KCPD. That's good. Yeah, because we need more people to stay behind and and uh, give back in the communities that they that they grew up in, they serve in, yeah. It's, it's really been a great opportunity because, you know, growing up in the community, you have people give you a call from time to time and ask you, hey, how do I deal with this? I have this issue. And you can just connect them with the person that will assist them instead of them going through a phone tree or coming to a station. And that's a little bit slower of a process. But when you know someone that can direct you, it saves a lot of time and headache and it makes it just for better relations. Yeah. So you went to you went to college there in the area as well. What school did you go to? University of Missouri, Mizzou, Mizzou Tigers. Mizzou. Okay, excellent, yes. excellent. And you said you were in financial or business. Or what was your major there? Financial management. Okay. All right. Yeah. Personal financial management was my uh, major. Just a quick story I have to tell. Yeah. So when I was in college, right before it was time for me to graduate, I was a credit short, which. My advisor, we didn't find out until the last minute, basically. And he's like, hey, I'm so sorry. We looked at this three times. I didn't know you need this one-hour humanities class, but it's only taught in the fall. And he was the teacher of it. He said, but look, I, I overlooked some things here, so I'm going to have you do some some charity work and write a paper. So because I had to do this charity work, I came up with this great plan. I would bring a ringing device for a charity organization that shall remain nameless and as an opportunity to meet girls. So that's how I ended up meeting my wife. I was at the, at the it's called Brady Commons at Mizzou, which is a student uh, center, and they have a bookstore, and ringing the bell, oops, uh, that's how I met my wife, caught her over and, and met my wife. <laughs> nice, nice. And, and the rest is history, right? The rest is history, 22 years later. Nice. Did You had to put in a lot of work, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yes. Well, I didn't, I didn't expect that uh, this outing that it would net a wife. I was just trying to meet girls and end up meeting my uh, soulmate. So I've been truly blessed. Yeah. sounds like it. That's a good story right there. Yeah. What's, what's meant to be is what happened there. So glad for you. Glad for you. So uh, 
you went to school there in Mizzou, um, and you you were in uh, financial management. Have you had uh, much opportunity to use that degree uh, at the police department? No, not much opportunity. However, I did do a short stint in budget. So I, I believe looking at some of the numbers, that was very helpful. Can you look back at it and say you made the right, made the right choice and you didn't uh, pursue that uh, that career path? In terms of going to the FBI? Yes, sir. Or, or working in financial management, I definitely uh, believe I made the right career choice. I really do believe that, you know, everything happens for a reason by God, and I believe I'm where I'm supposed to be. Excellent, excellent. And then uh, when you were coming up the ranks there in, in detective and patrol, uh, what, what sort of assignments did you do in those, in those uh, times you were coming up? Most of my time was spent in patrol before becoming, uh, getting promoted to sergeant. So most of it was on dog watch, which is the night shift. We call it dog watch here. And I, I just loved it. Just love working nights. I would have never thought that uh, when I was in the police academy or in college that I would get a job working nights. Most of my career has probably been spent working dog watch shift. Dog watch hours. Dog watch, huh? That's what you guys. That's what you guys call it. Yes, dog that's watch, what huh? we call it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you know working nights, especially in the in the summer, because when it gets really hot and really humid out there, you probably want to work uh, nights rather than day shift, right? Definitely. When you look at the the temperature, there's a big difference working nights. Also, working nights allowed me to pursue education outside of work, complete a few degrees. So it's been very, it's been a blessing. Yeah. What are those degrees that you completed? I completed a master's in public affairs, a master's in criminal justice and criminology, and a Juris Doctor in the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Law. All right. Congratulations, huh? Thank what, you. Yeah. How, how much longer are you going to do at, uh, with the police department? I, I would imagine that I would at least do 32 years with the police department. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I am not looking to pull the plug anytime soon. I absolutely love it. I'm as giddy today as I was the day that, that I started. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> you can definitely yes, hear it in your voice. Definitely hear it uh, in your I'm, voice. Yes, I really do enjoy uh, policing. So no plans to, you know, to use those uh, advanced degrees in the other capacity once you leave the department? We will have to look into that. Most likely my career goal would be to retire from the police department and maybe take a job as chief in a um, agency somewhere across the country. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of which, uh, what, uh, what uh, parts of the country are you interested in? Uh, do you like the East coast? Do you like the West coast? Uh, what's, what's your cup of tea? I do like the South, some areas in the South, like uh, Texas. I do, I do like the South, but I'm probably a Midwest boy. So that's probably where I would end up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all your family's there and all that too. Yes. You've, you've got a ways to go to with a 13 year old. So you got a ways to go before she's out, <laughs> out of high school. So you got a ways to go. Yes, I, I, I definitely do. She's definitely keeping me busy. Just luckily for me, I really do. I truly enjoy what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So being an African American male, what, uh, what sort of uh, experiences have you had uh, working as a police officer within the community, you know, uh, negative or positive, you know, things that have, have helped you uh, navigate through everyday life as a police officer, being African-American on patrol or anything else? I think as an African-American police officer, having a connection with the community, because I grew up in this community. I, I grew up in the, the inner city, so I'm 
familiar with a lot of people and a lot of various perspectives. So it makes it easier for me to adapt or adjust. And I'm not taking things personal. I definitely understand frustration. I definitely believe people have a right to make their voices heard. And I think as a law enforcement agency, we have a responsibility to be responsive to those voices. There are some things that we maybe we can't do, but there are a lot of things that we can and we should look into them. Definitely. So we talked about earlier about, uh, you know, your, your numbers and your ranks as far as minorities. Uh, do you guys do anything specific as far as recruiting minorities in your department? Recruiting, we're, we're always trying to get minorities into the police department. I would imagine that most uh, large departments around the country are trying to recruit uh, minorities into the police department because we definitely believe that the, the police department should reflect the community. It's really important to have that diversity, diversity of ideas, diversity of opinions. We need that. Yeah, yeah. Now, as you know, recruiting specifically African-Americans is a challenge. Right. It, it is a challenge. We all have to do our part. And whether it's, you know, me as a major, officers on the street, we all have to do our part. If you want to see more African-Americans in policing, since we're African-American and this is Black and Blue podcast, we have to count each other to actually recruit. Whether it's residents, citizens out there, we have to uh, have these conversations and we have to try to push this forward if that's what we want to see. Yeah, definitely. That's what this whole podcast is shows about is, uh, you know, showing people that, you know, uh, we're just like you and you can do this, too. You can be an officer, detective, sergeant. You can be a major. So, you know, you just got to be uh, the, the new term, uh, be the change that you want to have happen. So uh, this is what this is all about. I totally agree. And it has to be more than words. One thing that I am proud of with our last uh, captain's promotional process, I ran a study group and with this study group, we brought Tina Rowe in to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she does a lot of assessment center training across the country to do some practice with uh, some of the participants for promotion. And she was able to come in and work with them. And I ran a weekly group where we had various videos just to make sure people are doing the public speaking. They're explaining themselves and I would critique them. And we did some other things. And with this group uh, in that group, we had almost every African-American that got promoted to captain studied in the group, except for one, every female that got promoted studied in the group, every Latino that uh, studied in that group got promoted. And it's not because of me. They, they did the work and they had other outside groups they participated in. But that's one way that people talk about diversity and what are you doing? I put that out there. That was my commitment because that was a weekly deal that we did. And that went on almost six months working with people. And it, it was pretty tough, but we, we got it done. And I think people were very satisfied with the results. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. Yeah. Uh, you know, most people in that study group got promoted up. So that's that shows a commitment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I think we have to take people by the hand and lead them. Sometimes that's part of leadership. And we realize that to make it up our, our ladder in law enforcement, we have to do some extra work. And I believe everyone has to be willing to do the extra work. And when you're willing to do the extra work, you can bring about great results. Yeah, that's good stuff. So that sounds like that was a, a really rewarding part of your job. What what, what's another rewarding part of your job now as, as a major? 
I'm really big into professional development and I, people contact me. I try to assist them, whether they're going for a, a process to become a detective, whether they're going for a promotion, whether they're going for an administrative role, I will work with the people in terms of putting up uh, mock interview sessions where I call in some other people to give them some evaluations, set up questions with them, do role play. I'm really big in a professional development with, uh, with KCPD and anyone that contacts me, I work with. Excuse me. They had to take a, had to take a sip there. Sorry about that. Hey, I understand. Yeah. Did, uh, do you have any mentors coming up, um, that kind of helped you along as well? Yes. Uh, I, I've been blessed to have mentors, both white and black. A lot of my mentors were white. This is a largely white dominated profession. So of course, most of my mentors are going to be white. Uh, I've had some great black mentors as well, and that's really helped me to develop. And what I really do appreciate and what I've learned through mentoring and being mentored is just being able to express your ideas. uh, Sometimes we think, oh, that's just a ridiculous idea. No one will go for it. But through mentors, they can tell you about their experiences and their success and failures, and that just kind of helps, for me anyway, pushes me to move forward and, and try some things and don't just try to play it safe. Yeah, definitely. And, it's, and it sounds like you're, you're pushing that, you know, paying it forward as well. So glad to hear that. What's uh, what's yeah. one? Yeah, go ahead. No, de- definitely trying to pay, uh, pay it forward. Like I said, I've been blessed to be in this career and anyone that I can help. That's what I try to do. Anyone. Yeah. What's one of the more challenging parts of your job? Challenging parts of my job. I think sometimes trying to push others and if they don't have a belief in themselves that, you know, you have to keep working with them and and trying to uh, build that confidence in them. So that's one of the areas that I find be challenging. Yeah. So, you know, you've been on, so, uh, you know, uh, a few years, Uh, we'll, we'll say a few years. Yeah. Just Uh, a few. (laughs) Just a few. Uh, What, what changes have you seen in the profession from day one till now? A lot of technical changes. Uh, Just thinking when we first started, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have recording devices like you see now, even the audio. When we first started uh, using the computer, you just wrote your reports on paper. Now everyone has a computer in the car. Everyone has some type of audio. We'll be getting body cams soon. And so those are some major changes. Even if you look at when I first started in the 90s, the big fear was HIV. Today it's COVID. And just things like that. You can see the changes when you look back over time. Yeah. And how we've addressed them and we still managed to succeed and move forward. How, how does the uh, rank and file feel about getting body cams? I believe they're, they're excited about it. They want body cams. For us, the reason we didn't have them before was a financial reason. But I think uh, they're, they're excited about the body cams just because when you look at complaints, you have a body cam, we can look back easily and say, okay, did that happen? It did or it didn't, and we can address it. So hopefully uh, it, it, it'll be a great thing for us, I, I, really, I truly believe. And I yeah. think just like anything, whenever there's change, people are a little bit nervous at first, but in the long run, I, I think it will be very good for the department, for the community. Yeah, if there anything like uh, my department, uh, just the audio recorders, 
you know, when we first started getting those, you know, there was some pushback on those and people were afraid of what, you know, management would do with them or, you know, what they're for. And then, you know, like you just said, you know, they help out in complaints and now everyone's for them and the body cam. So, yeah. Yes. And that's what we noticed, just like what you're what you're saying. Uh, it helped with complaints. Also, I think even officers having an ability when you look back at certain situations and think about them, 2020 hindsight. Oh, maybe I could have said this and made this situation better. Maybe I could have done this. So it helps in many in various areas. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what uh, what changes do you see or opportunities do you see for law enforcement officers in the future, uh, minority law enforcement officers in the future? I believe you're going to probably see a major push across the country to recruit minority officers everywhere. Just because of the protests that you've seen, you're going to see a major push to uh, focus on minority recruitment. I think that will be a a, a good thing. Uh, Unfortunately, I think we're going to have a situation where most large cities around the country due to COVID and due to protests, they're going to experience a reduction in revenue so recruiting could be a challenge just because if you don't have the money to, you know, pay officers in doing that recruiting and getting that diversity, they're going to have to find a balance some kind of way. Right. Have you guys seen any, uh, any push in your area for, you know, the defund the police movement or some sort of reforms or, you know, uh, in, in your state? We are seeing uh, a push for reforms through all the protests across the nation. I think for large cities, you you see the a similar push for uh, reforms. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's uh, not allowing a chokehold, which we 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 don't uh, allow chokeholds, or or just having more involvement with police oversight. I, I think that's something that's been pushed across the nation, and that's going to be coming to coming soon. Yeah. It's not already there for most cities, which most cities seem to be addressing these issues. Yeah, it sounds like it. It looks like it. it, it it's it's funny that, uh, you know, some departments uh, to this day still allow the chokeholds. I know that, you know, at least my department and at least most of the agencies I can think of out here in California haven't allowed that for, you know, quite a, quite some time. So, you know. It, that's a good thing that, uh, you know, cause nothing good can come from it. Cause they, yeah, you know, they always, you got to call for the, for the medics after you use it. And it's just more, more trouble than it's worth because, you know, someone can die from it. Yes. I, I think for a lot of agencies, I'm probably surprised that there are some agencies possibly still using the choke hold. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely see some changes on that front. So, uh, you know, moving forward, where, where do you see yourself in the next five years? probably looking towards retirement. Uh, next five years, I, I plan to still be with the department. I'll probably be in a different division, but somewhere with the police department, looking at a retirement job as a police chief somewhere nice. in the country, hopefully. Yeah. I, I know we talked about earlier about recruitment. Um, what did your family feel about you getting in the profession when you first started out? Okay. I grew up with my mom. My father had a cerebral hemorrhage and died when I was five years old. So it's been my mom and I have an older brother and older sister. So she was definitely concerned about me. There was no negative feelings towards police or anything like that, but she was definitely concerned just knowing how the inner city of Kansas city can be, you know, working nights. So there, there was concern, but 
for the most part, she's really been supportive. She's supportive of the police and she knows, she realizes for the most part, we try to do a good job. Right. And what about your siblings and your friends and your other family? I believe some of my, uh, I know some of my fraternity brothers, they were shocked that I went into policing. They were like, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. you're going into policing. You you went to college and you're going to go into policing. And now I think uh, they would say that it's a pretty great choice for me. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, safety aside, you made the great choice. You made the right choice. So we, we congratulate you on that. Thank you. Yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, in the future, what, 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 uh, would you promote? or push your, your, your own family, your daughter into the career? Or what would you say about that? It's a very dangerous career. There are a lot of demands. So I would be a little bit nervous about pushing my daughter into it. I think she would have to find her own way into policing, but I wouldn't be something that I would necessarily push her into. However, with that said, I wouldn't be totally against her going. I wouldn't try to put up barriers to her joining the police department because like we said, we do need more African-Americans in policing. Yeah, we do. So, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get more. If it's not your daughter, it'll be, you know, someone in your sphere of influence because uh, we talked about, you know, our own recruiting. Uh, so hopefully you, we can, you can do that. I can do that. And we can get more on, on the departments so across this country. That's what it's yeah, Maybe it will be my daughter. We'll see. We'll see how <laughs> she develops. Yeah. Yeah. You got a long way to go. So yes, still got to get to college. <laughs> Definitely. Mizzou, right? Yes, that's where I went, and we'll see if she goes there. <laughs> yeah, following Daddy's footsteps. So, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on. It, it was really good talking to you. Um, what uh, What's going on out there as far as, as, as COVID and the protests and any, any uh, violent actions, anything that you guys have to be really wary of in Kansas City as a police department uh, on a day-to-day basis? Well, recently – we realize that there has been an increase with COVID and our mayors required people to wear a mask in, in public settings. And that's, that's a change. So we do realize there has been a, uh, a surge with, with COVID uh, in Kansas city, our homicide rate is up. So that is definitely a concern in trying to find ways to address the homicide rate effective ways. That's a challenge across the nation. If you look at large cities, you can see, it seems like to me from what I've been reading, a lot of large cities are having increased homicide rates uh, this year, unfortunately. And I think whenever, just from just you know from knowing history, whenever there's turmoil between community and police, it seems that homicides tend to go up. And uh, getting people to come forward, you got to work on that that trust and that uh, legitimacy, like like stated in the 21st century policing report. And that's something that all police departments probably across the nation, we're going to have to build. We're going to have to come up with innovative ways to make those connections, to make people feel comfortable to come forward and be witnesses. Same challenge like in most cities, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are working hard towards that. You guys uh, do much community involvement or meetings and, and things you know, of that nature. Like I said, some of my experience with, with South patrol, we do a lot of community uh, engagements and, and involvement we have social workers assigned to our stations, to our patrol stations, and so they go out and assist officers, and they do some of the things where you don't really need an officer to do it, but someone representing the police department, and that's a social worker, can get something done. That's, that's yeah. some of the community engagement. Plus, we have other outreach that we do, whether it's mammograms uh, at our local stations for women. Oh, wow. 
we're 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 uh, definitely involved. That's that's so that's we have great gr- great outreach. Unfortunately, just with the protests, no one thinks about that. Just because you know, I, and I definitely understand the importance of the, of the protests. But some of the things that we've done, that's kind of lost. So moving forward, we'll just have to make sure that we're still getting the word out. And what I tell officers is, hey, if you were doing a, a good job last month, you're probably doing a good job this month a- as well. Let's not forget some of the great things that we've done, whether it's movie nights with families, whether it's health and wellness fairs. That was one thing we did at South Patrol Division, bringing a, a mammogram bus in so people could get tested that didn't have health insurance. Uh, whether one thing also an ex-offender hiring fair. We did that at a police station. That was another one of those ideas. People yeah. probably thought, who's going to go to a police station to get a job? But that's just the type of outreach that we're doing in Kansas City. So, yes, was, we have a lot of. What was the turnout on that? Believe it or not, um, I had pushed it, pushed this when I was at South Patrol and people were kind of laughing like, no one's coming to police station, a right. uh, felon to get a job. And when it first opened, we had over 120 people, about 123 people lined up for it to open. So that yeah. was a, a big hit. And that's something that's been continued. So yeah. it's, we, we have a lot of community outreach is what I'm saying. That, that's excellent. Excellent. I know uh, a minute ago you mentioned social workers going out. I know there's a big push for, you know, having social workers go out and handle uh, a lot of things that police are, have been doing that, you know, typically back in the day, social workers were handling. And so now we're kind of uh, shifting it back in, into their favor. At your department, are they, are they doing it on their own or are they still out? Are they going out with an officer? How, how's that work with your department? It just depends on the situation, whether they need an officer to accompany them or whether it's a safer uh, interaction and they can go on themselves. I believe Kansas City was one of the first stations to have uh, social workers assigned to the stations. I think that was something under Chief Rick Smith that he had pushed and got a grant for. And so we've been doing this for several years now. Yeah, and I know a lot of departments, and mine in particular, are doing that as well, uh, and in my county. Uh, we've got a lot of homeless out here uh, in our county, and uh, you know, a lot of our social workers are, are giving them resources, and they go out on these calls. It, it seems like uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, 50% of our calls daily are dealing with the homeless, so uh, those, having those social workers helps a lot. Yes, there are just some calls, even when you deal with domestic violence, in establishing a relationship with people that may be skittish towards the police, having a social worker contact and make this contact and build that trust allows us to work with them. And sometimes it will allow people or will encourage people to prosecute that may have been dropped from the system where they wouldn't cooperate with detectives for situations like that. We've had uh, social workers contact them and see if they could bring them back into the process. And that's been very successful as well. Yeah. Yeah. We need that because uh, obviously domestic violence isn't anything that anyone wants. So uh, if we can get those offenders uh, held accountable, yeah, it, it's good all the way around. So good stuff. Yes. We're yeah. pleased with the results. Yeah. So I noticed there on your jacket, you've got a little, little pin there. <laughs> Cap out the side. Yo, yeah, baby. Yeah, yo. I was going to ask you what, uh, yes. <laughs> what fraternity that was. Yeah. Yes. Cap out the side. Cap out the side. All right. And uh, what, uh, what what sort of uh, values or, or things did, uh, did you guys do when you were part of that fraternity? Well, not were, because you always are, right? So Yes, and I'm involved with the alumni chapter here as well. And a big part of the fraternity is mentoring. We mentor kids uh, in Columbia. So that's, re- that's really huge. 
Wow, Columbia. Columbia, Missouri. That's where the University of oh. Missouri, Columbia is. Missouri. Oh, okay. I thought you meant in Columbia. You guys go down to Columbia, huh? Nice. Yeah, Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> got you. <laughs> got you. Got you. Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent work. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on, Major. It was it was really good to hear from you. I get some insight about Mizzou and, and you and and which is the real Kansas City. You you guys are you guys decide what the what the barbecue though. Yes, that's that's Kansas City, Missouri. That Best is barbecue Kansas. in the country. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That, definitely. Yeah, uh, I've been meaning to get out there and, and and taste that one of these days. So, if you love barbecue, this is the place to come. Seven days a week, you can go to a different restaurant, barbecue restaurant, in Kansas City, and you will you'll just be impressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I heard something interesting that's really not uh, something to be proud of about your quarterback out there. What he does with his barbecue? Have you, have you heard that one? He puts ketchup on his barbecue. Hey, we're gonna keep working with him. That's all I can say. We're gonna keep working with him. Yeah, yeah. His football, he's on the money. Right. Some other things we're gonna have to work with. Him. We gotta work with him. Yeah, yes. Putting ketchup on your ribs. Come on, brother. Oh man, yeah. I, I, he yeah. didn't get that from Kansas City. That's no. all I have to say. He didn't. He didn't. A, pick, a maybe he picked that more. up in Texas or something. Maybe he didn't pick that up in Kansas City. <laughs> For real. I don't know about Texas. They got some pretty good barbecue there too. So I don't know. That's just, <laughs> that's just a weird thing say. that he picked that's up. What they say. Yeah, yeah. All right. So cool. Uh, before I let you go, there's a game I like to play with my guests. So let me get this set up here for you. So this game is called Supreme Things. Supreme Things movie songs. These are going to be songs popularized in a movie. I'm just gonna play you know, a couple seconds of a of a movie of a song from a movie, and you just tell me if you can where that was from. It sound easy enough? You there? Yeah. So uh, let me stop this. All right, easy enough. So here's your here's your first movie. You ready? Yes. Here we go. Oh, I know that one. I can't think of the name of the uh, of the movie. Yeah, give me an actor or actress in it. From Empire. Um, yes. Yes, with Cookie. Yes, there we go. Lions, <laughs> yes. Yes, it's Hustle and Flow. Yes. Yes, uh, Taraji P. Henson. Yeah, Hustle and Flow. And then uh, you see right here coming up, Anthony Anderson and Terrence Howard right there. Yes. There you go. All right, so... We, we got you on this one. Here's your next one. Star Wars? I have no idea. No idea. Oh, oh my man. That was Jurassic Park. You never saw Jurassic Park? No, I didn't. Oh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Here's, here's your next movie. Louis Brothers? Oh, you oh. don't get to the movies much, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is Pretty Woman. Remember that, that one? Pretty Woman walking down the street. You remember that one? Yes, I do. Okay. Going right. back on me. <laughs> Here's your next movie. Yeah. Yeah, you got that one right off the bat. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, black exploitation from the seventies. 
<laughs> Richard Roundtree. Yeah, it's a great movie. And here's your next Definitely. movie. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, yes, sir. Do you know know the movie? I can't. I just remember that hat he wore in there. Yeah, and we'll give it to you. That's from the, star. the yeah. good, the bad, and the ugly. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's your next movie. You had a you have no. a kid. No Disney movie. I give you a hint there, Disney movie. No. Uh, <laughs> uh that's Toy Story. Remember this one? Yeah. You've got a friend in me. <laughs> You've got a friend in me. Alright. Couple more here for you, real quick. Here we go. What do you think? Oh, before you got it, you know it. It's Beverly Hills Cop. You know? Yeah, I was thinking Eddie Murphy. <laughs> we'll get that to you. You remember Beverly Hills Cop? Great movie, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And here's another one for you. No, Star Wars. Not Star Wars. Star oh. Trek. Not big on sci-fi, huh? Yeah. All right. And here's your last one. You probably won't get this one, but hopefully you will. Let's see. Here you go. You remember that one? Yeah. Uh, yes. A very famous song. And I can't think of the name of the mo- movie. Uh, do you, it was you an remember education who was in movie. it? Right? What was that? Um. I think there were some alternative kids in the movie and yep. they're trying to, yeah, motivate yeah. them. We'll give that to you, Michelle Pfeiffer's in there. That one. Yeah. Dangerous Minds. There we go. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. Julio. Dangerous Minds. As I walk through the valley of the shadow. All right. So uh, I think you were about 50 50 there. So I'll call you the winner. Don't get uh, to the movies much, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I guess not. I guess <laughs> not. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are back. All right. Thank you. That was fun, though. Yeah, you struggled through it, but we got you through it. We got you through it. Little hand well, I holding definitely it. enjoyed my time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, you be safe out there dealing with the COVID and everything else out there. And uh, hopefully we'll talk real soon. Thank you and God bless. Yeah, you too, sir. We'll talk soon. All right, y'all. Episode 43 is in the books. I want to thank my guest on this episode, Major Dan Haley of the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department, for joining me here today. I had a great time learning from you, and I hope we can do it again real soon, sir. And if you guys out there enjoy this kind of content as well, make sure you like and subscribe to the show on the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'll be back next week with another great guest. Same black time, same black channel. But till then, y'all already know. Stay black in blue. I'll holla at you.
Deuces. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.